1: Hi, I'm Nikki, your host for this episode. Pivotal moments are critical turning points that bring new perspectives and opportunities that alter the trajectory of our lives. As Tony Robbins famously said, it is in the moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. The decisions we make define our path of success, failure, and even happiness. Meet Jennifer Lagali, Senior Vice President at Salesforce, who shares her story of navigating the pivotal moments in her life and career, which ultimately led to her success as a corporate executive and a mother of five. Jennifer shares advice on finding clarity on your career path, how motherhood prepares women for management, and why it is important for women to stay in the game and have their voices heard. Jennifer serves on the board of Financial Force and has held a variety of sales roles in her 18 years at Salesforce, guiding the success of her team and clients. She recently gave a TEDx talk inspiring both women and men with strategies to balance successful careers and a fulfilling parenting experience visit imbeyondbearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Jennifer. Hey Jen, welcome to the Beyond Bears podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Well, thank you Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so well, great to get to know you over the last couple of months. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's, uh, it's truly an honor for us. You're always going to be part of the founding story of Beyond Barriers. So you're part of, you know, this family and we couldn't be more thrilled and honored to have you here. So let's um dive right in. So first of all, um given that I've gotten to know you and, you know, get to see your personality and drive, I'm curious, what did you dream of being as a little girl? (laughs) Good question.
2: Um, That's really interesting. I mean, I, you know, what I dreamed, what I dreamt of is a little bit, what. ironically, I remember when I was in third or fourth grade, I have an identical twin sister, and my, my, we said that we wanted to be a cheerleader. And my mom was like, she was a big sports person, and so she's like, Can we please get into sports? And so it's interesting. That was my first, my first drive was wanting to be a cheerleader. We, of course, my sister and I ended up playing, you know, multi sports through all through high school, et cetera. Um, But, you know, um, I did write when I was 13 years old, I was looking through my old notes and I just saw a, what do you want to be in your profession? Mm -hmm. And at 13, I wrote that I wanted to be a chemical engineer. And that is actually what I ended up becoming. And graduating with at 22. So there was something there early on. Now, my dad was an engineer as well. So I'm sure it was a little bit of, he was an electrical engineer following, you know, after under his footsteps. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's a great question. I wasn't one of those big, big dreamers, but I did know that I loved math and science and that's what I was Mm. good at. And, you know, and, um, and, and I chose it at 13.
1: That's powerful, because um, it's interesting you mentioned that age, because we do work with, um, you know, uh, high school and early college students. And a lot of times, the number one thing that they struggle with is clarity, just not knowing what what am I really good at doing? What should my future look like? You know, where do I go from here? So what helped you that you might be able to share with someone who's at that age now to say, you know, look in these places, so here's what helped me, maybe it'll help you.
2: Yeah. Well, it was interesting because I know, and I know that the program that you, um, the the incredible program that our team participated in, a lot of it is about creating that clarity. Um, And, you know, that said, I would say that when I'm speaking to people and I'm talking about clarity and when, how to go get it, I feel like there is a combination of you you have to start to hone in on what you enjoy but mm-hmm. what you enjoy oftentimes you, it's it's almost like passion mm-hmm. sometimes you need to grow into your passion and and if you too early on try to zone in on what you think you're passionate about you may miss all of these other opportunities that you are passionate about mm-hmm. And the way that I personally live my life, it's almost like, you know, if you grip something too strong and your knuckles are white, like, you know, you know, you're not in a good spot and you know, if you're too loose, you're not going to mm-hmm. get there either. There, I think there's a, this combination of, you do have to have some boundaries about like where the scope is of kind of like the range of where you want to go be. Mm. But within that, I feel like you have to you have to let the game come to you a little bit. Mm. You have to let life come to you a little bit. You have to you have to be in the moment. You have to be intuitive. You have to be present. You have to be curious. Mm. And and then whatever it is you are deciding to go do, like piece by piece, you do really well. You enjoy it. You come with energy. You come with conviction. You make that decision that you're going to do that thing well. And then all of a sudden, all these other opportunities start to come your way. And if you're open to it, if you're not too dead set on one path, then i that's kind of where I feel like different opportunities come To you. And I'm, you know, I'm saying that of course at the age of 50, with the experience of what I look back on my Mm -hmm. life, which is I don't know that I would have been able to say that necessarily at 22 when I was graduating from college. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that I wanted to be a chemical engineer. That I knew. I knew I probably would eventually get into sales, that I knew too. Mm -hmm. What that looked like wasn't a specific path. It was I kind of wanted to see what came to me, right? Mm.
1: And that's really powerful because it's instead of being really rigid and narrow and you know how you expect things to be, which can often just be disappointing because if it doesn't pan out that way, then you're kind of afraid that my plans fell apart. What you're saying is perhaps get clarity on that North Star, but not so fixated on your path to getting there, you know, yes. allow things to unfold in that. Yes. So how did you go from, you know, you've, Uh, did your chemical engineering, and now you are a very, you know, senior executive in sales. Walk us through some of those pivotal moments that led to that role.
2: Mm -hmm. What's interesting. So I when I graduated, I had a job before I graduated, and it was in environmental engineering. um, And I did that for a year and a half. And there was this moment Along the way, where I started to realize, I'm like, okay, well, what is next after this, right? I think everybody does that after about a year. You're like, well, what am I moving towards here? And and I realized that the next level was something that was basically the same thing that I was doing, except for reviewing that work. Mm. And it was and the people that had been in that role had been in that role for like 30 years, and I was like. Ah, I don't think I could do the same thing for 30 years. And I was, I remember I was doing this, the hand auger in the middle of this driving rainstorm in Atlanta, taking soil samples every six inches. And then I was like, maybe there's another job out there for me. (laughs) Just maybe. And then coinciding my boyfriend that had become my husband who I'd met in college was still back in San Francisco. I moved to Atlanta with my sister and we both had actually boyfriends that became our husbands. And we both moved back to, to the Bay area. And at that time it was 1995, which was the height of high tech. Yes. And so it was one of those things where I came back looking for another environmental engineering kind of similar role to something to to, kind of build off of. But it's kind of like part of that advice I was just giving that you kind of have to keep your mind open and there was just technology, it was just everywhere. And so I got into semiconductors and then eventually into
0: software.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, what's also... um, interesting for people to note as our audience is listening is to keep an eye out for those waves, the trends that are emerging, because sometimes it's being ready to ride that wave that propels you forward, you know, versus going against the grain. You know, it's like you could be the best fax machine salesperson, but it's not going to take you far.
2: right? But the skills that you had to use to go sell fax machines are transferable. Somewhere else, right? And so, and that's kind of what I mean about like, you build skill, whatever you're doing, you build skills, you go 100%. You make sure that wherever you are, you're building a brand where people say Mm -hmm. she or he kicks but, and is so good at what they do, the high work ethic, high motor, you know, smart, curious, picks things up, things that you can control. Right. Mm -hmm. And that way, no matter what you do next, you have a referral, you have opportunities, et et cetera, et cetera. But I am so thankful to get into technology because I did become passionate about it. And I did become passionate about selling, Mm -hmm. which I can't say that I was when I first started because I just started it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where you, you, you come in and, you get good at it you know and um you really start to grow and you really start to love the the game slows down for you a little bit right? right and that and um and 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 then you know i would i would just say like then i i found a company salesforce after maybe three or four crm type of companies and and who would have known It was 300 people at the time it was the first really tech company that was in san francisco in 19 or sorry 2003 and .com was in the name salesforce.com in 03 after like the .com bubble burst and so who would have ever thought that salesforce.com was going to be a successful company but i knew somebody there i had been around crm so i took it and then now it's over you know, 65,000 people and um, and i rode uh, you know, the 18 year wave and, and mm-hmm. the navigation that all comes with that and the growth that comes with that and taking on different roles but it's been it's been a really
1: fun ride Absolutely. And, and the impact you've created has been massive within that because it, not just in the role you uh, hold, but also in the inspiration you've provided to so many women, not just within Salesforce, but tech and in general. So with that, there's obviously things that, um, were necessary in your life to facilitate, you know, that kind of career and um, focus. What were some of the pivotal uh, decisions or, you know, choices that you had to make to make that happen?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's been. I just did a TED Talk, a TEDx Talk, actually, um, recently, and it was for UC Davis, which is my alma mater. <laughs> and, and so, the TEDx Talk was really focused on women that were more in the beginning-ish of their careers, so let's say the first 10 years-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from college to that, and it was kind of a moment for me to go look back on what were my pivotal moments, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of how I how, how how I navigated, and these pivotal moments were more along the lines of the um, of how to if you want to have a family and a and a partner in a family. And then you want to have a career. How do you balance those things? Mm -hmm. But even if you didn't have a family, you still have all these competing things in life, right? As a person, your friends and Mm your you and things you want to accomplish outside. You're giving back, you know, the Mm -hmm. hobbies and work. And it's kind of, you you could, um, you know, make this analogous to to kind of anything, but I have five children. Um, And so for me, there was a lot of deciding and balancing in terms of kind of these pivotal moments as well and um in this ted talk one of the things that i talk a lot about is choosing your partner and also choosing to stay in the game
0: mm-hmm.
2: is is are two of those things that early on i mean i just had a i had two calls today with two mentees that i that i mentor one of them just found out she was pregnant and she was asking me she's like i'm just about to get promoted into a management role and I'm, do I, and I'm, and I'm two months away from having a baby, like, do I do it? And I, you know, and I, I, I said, look, you got to have the baby first and then see how life, you know, what, see what life it gives you, right. Play, play the cards that are kind of in front of you, but I will say, why not, why mm-hmm. not try? Mm-hmm. You can always take a step back. You know, we you just keep kind of like doing more and taking on more and more that you want. And so that was kind of where I kind of came to in my life as well, where I, you know, you know, first of all, I picked the right partner, meaning I had options, right? Mm-hmm. And so picking that right partner allows you, you know, there's a lot of times, especially in a heterosexual relationship where there's a man and a woman in a traditional relationship. There's so many times where a woman assumes the role of staying home and staying home with the kids. And when you do that, That means way, way, way back, you're making decisions on what your major is in college, what your first job is out of college, what your career path and career choices are, because you're looking for a job where you, it's not either that important or you can go have flexibility, but you end up not loving that job. And so you, what I say is keep pushing on, pushing on, pushing on until you can't. And that's kind of been my, Mm -hmm. my mantra in life. And even my my husband has accused me i'd say this in my ted talk so i'm but <laughs> accused me of being selfish for taking the second line management role when i took that mm-hmm. and i i basically had to, that was kind of my first it was a it was a big pivotal moment for me in kind of owning my path there mm-hmm. and saying you know what This I still have a great relationship with my five children, right? I don't have to keep choosing something that I don't want to do, meaning I did want to go take that second line management role. I was feeling it. You know, I at first it took me a year and a half to enjoy management, but once I was in it, I really understood the impact that I could have. And and so in and kind of and so w- when you look at these pivotal moments it's you have to go choose to put the the gear forward mm-hmm. and, and and figure out a way to make it work. and in now in this day and age in 2020 there are so many options for women to be able to make it work right Absolutely. to have. Work.
1: But it all begins with having that drive and desire to do it because without that, there'll always be a reason why you can't or why you shouldn't. So, so speaking you know. of that, where does all your drive come from?
2: God, you're asking a hard question that even <laughs> I don't know that I could necessarily give you. But I have narrowed down a couple of things on around this. And one of them is, you know, um, what other, you and I were talking about this actually before we actually went went live on the podcast, but around the where I come from, right? So one is I come from Cincinnati, Ohio, Midwest, and love where I came from, no question about it. But and they, where I grew up and how I grew up, four older brothers, my mom and dad, um, both you know, both sides, they have deep Cincinnati groups, right? And in general, there, there is a, you know, there is a a hierarchy of, you know, men kind of rule and women, the expectations are just lower. Mm -hmm. And there were things that my, you know, my sister and I ended up being the athletes of the family. My dad kind of jokes about that. He had four boys and then he had to wait for two girls to have the athletes, you know, but he spent so much time throwing baseball, football, et cetera, with those boys, my brothers, and it turns out we ended up being the ones he should have been investing that time in. <laughs> Yeah, And then like, you remember, we have Bengals tickets, right? And my sister and I would get maybe some leftover games. My brothers would all, all get the premier games. And I remember that would just make me so mad. Like, we're all, there's six children in this family. Why are we getting the lower amounts? These are just like little clues that I have in terms of kind of the chip on the shoulder that I have. Mm-hmm. And my dad doesn't remember this, and I love my dad to death, by the way. I have an incredible relationship with him, and I've actually mirrored his career a lot. But I remember him saying to me once, you shouldn't go into sales because you're a woman and you'll lose in the boardroom because they're all men. And this is my dad who is like, he's always been the biggest proponent of my sister and I, but... This is the kind of like this is what I grew up with. This is what I heard overtly. Mm -hmm. What I heard non overtly, or you know, unconscious biased way, was that women are just a lesser of a player in, you know, I guess in sport and work. Yeah, in life. Anyway, so that's where I think I get my my chip. And then then playing sports, I think just exacerbated that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, I, it's, I just heard this quote recently. It's actually Michael Dell wrote a book recently and he says, um, play nice, but win. Mm. And I'm like, and that right there does encapsulate me. I, right when I heard it, I just heard it yesterday and I thought it was an interesting time to bring it up because I knew yeah. we were having this podcast as well, but that is exactly what I, I play nice. I want everybody to win, but I really like to win. Right, I and I hate to lose, mm-hmm. and so I think it's just a combination of those two things, Absolutely. and maybe it's the four brothers that used to beat me up all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny, but yeah, I mean, I can totally see that uh, when you're in some ways, the underdog or the one that's, uh, you know, uh, underestimated, perhaps, you know, it's how you challenge a uh, channel that uh, feeling into something where you want to prove it, but on your terms can be incredibly powerful and yes. certainly done that. So you know, being in uh, management, and I recall you sharing the story about, um, uh, you know, m- management and motherhood prepares you for management tell us that story because that that's a fascinating one that will give perspective to so many moms out there that might question their readiness or ability to be in management
2: yeah well I will tell you that this again going through this kind of TED talk you know that I put a million ideas out there and I had to boil it down to like those 15 minutes is what it ended up being and the one idea that I love the most that kind of came out of this, that I feel so strongly about that I did not, and I remember because I remember having a conversation about this, did not feel this strongly about when I started managing. And was in the, the, the idea here that I have found out is that women make amazing leaders. We make amazing managers. And I did not think that. And I didn't think it. I thought I was kind of like maybe different, you know, when I started off because I had this competitive edge because I had the four brothers. I also have four Mm -hmm. boys, by the way, one girl, but four boys. So I'm kind of around boys all the time. So I kind of feel like I'm half male, half female. I can kind of blend in either one. And I was thinking, oh, well, that's why I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm finding success here because I, I, you know, I can think like a man and be like Mm -hmm. a man, but really but I wasn't acting like a man. I was acting like me. You know, like I'm empathetic, and you know, um, I, I I cared, and you know, I, I you know, I came with positivity versus negativity in terms of inspiration and motivation. You know, but what I realized, and and when I was then going through this process of trying to promote um, top AEs to become first line managers, AEs are account executives, so salespeople to be first line managers. I realized, then I was like, I was. I could tell I was a little bit nervous about how they're going to do, how they're going to perform, you know, is this the right role for them? Am I setting them up for for success? And that's how I knew because I was going through this thought process. Um, But then I fast forward like maybe three or four years after that. And the company that I'm at now, at salesforce.com is where I'm at now still, I see so many women leaders and I realize what they all have in common and people love to work for them. For the most part, I'm generalizing, but 80, 85% of the women that I see make amazing leaders. And it's and this innate thing. And to me, maybe because I'm a mother of five, I'm one of six or something, but I think it's because we have this natural nurturing and I think we have this natural drive to to, to build something where we love to be a part of and everybody wins mm-hmm. and you can win together. It doesn't have to be, it's not an, a, a zero sum game mm-hmm. and, and we care and we listen. And that's when, when you want to try to get the best performance out of somebody, when you want somebody to do their best, they need to feel that you, that you are care and want and support the most out of them. And that's how you get the best performance.
1: And, and but I will I say those-
2: Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I wanted to give the antidote to that too because not everybody's a, the best fit on a team either. And mm-hmm. you do have to make sure you have the right conversations to get them in the place where they will soar. So it's not like every, every single person can be amazing on the team. You have to get the right people on the team and then make sure that they're they're performing at their best. But you also have to get the people onto the right places where they can go perform as well. Right.
1: But it's, it's um, such a key point about that um, EQ and the... N- mm-hmm you know innately human skills that women lead with actually lead to you know developing stronger leaders on their team building stronger teams and then elevating in a really healthy and lasting way so um for anyone that is doubting that you know that's your uh, living proof of what is possible when you you know don't let any of you know uh, your personal circumstances second guess into what is possible
2: Yes. And you know, you know, it's interesting. And I'll say this because there's always a counterbalance to everything and the world wouldn't be as good a place if it was only women running it. And it wouldn't be as good a place if it was only men running it. We are amazing together. We are like peanut butter and jelly. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and I'm going to generalize again here, but you have this, like, you know, men come forward with like they with 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 so much confidence and so much conviction and so much and they think really big and they want to go do huge things right. Women come with they you know we, when we say we're going to do something we well I, I would say that kind of goes on both sides but women are we are very when we are going to do something we do it really really well and we mm-hmm. lead with kind of the, the qualities that I had t- talked about before and so. When I always, what I think about, even for me, when I'm trying to make sure, am I looking at this holistically in the best way? I think about what are those male mm. traits that I want to incorporate into my game, mm-hmm. right? More aggressiveness, right. more directness. Mistaking or get yeah, more risk taking that's a good way to say it i'm kind of general i'm probably not using all the most appropriate like descriptors here but but it's but my my whole point around this is there's got to be balance in your mm-hmm. game right we are born with something and we need to add something else and that's that's mm-hmm. true for everything not just male and female gender qualities but we're we all are we all have something innate that's great to offer and if you want to be Incredible or really great, you need to go add other skills to go to go to go really be a full
0: self.
1: You know, right. so really look at you know what are the elements that are natural to you, but also look at the counterbalance um, and how you can bring that about that thinking to be more holistic, um, yeah. and get better results overall. Yes. So I want to dive into uh, specific to your domain in sales, and the reason I want to bring that up is it is. Um, probably one of the most misunderstood of, uh, you know, um, professions, if you will. There's, uh, for people that are not in sales, there's that ick factor of, Oh my gosh, I could never go. Our salesman. It's hard. It's, you know, um, I don't think I can do it. And yet the reality is it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're always selling, you know, whether you're interviewing for a job, you're growing your business, or you want to get a promotion everything, even relationships, you know, you have to make the sale. So demystify sales from your perspective, because um, you've been in it a while, you've had success at a really massive level, and you've got a large team of very successful people. So demystify sales from your perspective.
2: Yeah, oh my gosh, I mean, first, I will just say that, like, I know I've gotten that too, even from my kids early on, also. Um, But I will say, there's no job in the company that requires more all-around skill mm-hmm. and skills than you have to have in sales, and especially in technology sales, because you need to have EQ and IQ. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to navigate your way around you know, internally, externally. You need to be able to talk about technology in a way that's interesting and applies to the customer. But... But so so that said so so I think it's there's no better place to be in the company than sales it's the it's the heartbeat of every company no company can survive without revenue coming into the company it is a vital role where you will always have a place and you will always be able to to apply your skills somewhere else in terms of how do you bring in revenue to a company so that you can go make your product better et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that said I will say. If you're thinking about sales in the way that you're talking about Nikki, where like when people refer to it like the car salesman or the whatever, that kind of kind of sales is you're trying to sell somebody something that is of no value, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to cheat them out of some money so they can get some money. But what sales really is, it's about joining that interface of a problem that a customer is trying to solve and a challenge that one of our customers is is hit that their jobs are dependent on solving mm-hmm. and you have a set of 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 technology or whatever you're selling that can go help them solve that problem you can go be their hero you can go align with them and allow them to go soar the the one thing that i have loved so much at salesforce is how many promotions we have created and caused for our customers because they they have to go connect with customers, they have to go build out technology to go, you know, to, to grow their their company better with, with, with selling. They've got to go, you know, with our with with supporting a customer. They've got to go figure out how to go do it better, faster with less people, et cetera. And then we have all of these products that go and help them go do that. And they're making their company better. They're driving revenue. They're saving money. But most importantly, they they are having fun in their career because they're achieving what they're supposed to achieve, and we've got. I, I can't even tell you. St- we we should actually create the trailblazer story around executives that have been promoted. So that that's what selling is to me. It is you're you're able to go solve people's problems, and and the bigger the problems you're solving, the more. The more, the, the the bigger the problem, the more revenue re- relative <laughs> right, to right. it. And so, if small problems, big problems, it's the same thing, but there's just more revenue changing hands and uh, because of it. So yeah. that
1: it, that's such a, a beautiful way to put it. That you know, if you think of it simply as a perspective of helping someone making their life, their work, their business better, um, then all you have to do is just understand the problems, listen, and then serve. Um, um, exactly, and Exactly. You said it more to it. And, um, exactly. you know, um, there's a, a direct correlation between P&L roles, especially with sales, and getting to the C-suite. Um, and that is one of those critical career decisions that oftentimes women don't make at the right stage, you know, um, sort of not necessarily stepping into those more challenging, you know, numbers driven roles. And it's really unfortunate because it doesn't position you for the top level roles, because majority of the C-level roles, the CEO roles, there is a correlation p and responsibility and sales. And so reframing how you think about sales in a positive way, um, our hope is that more women will actually opt into that and see it as a pathway, not just to make people's lives better, but also for their own career success.
2: Oh my gosh. I will tell you that uh, women in sales, if you know, if you combine the IQ of what you're selling Mm -hmm. with the EQ that we generally naturally have, it's not good. Not everybody has high EQ. I'm, I'm definitely generalizing there. But if you combine those two, it is such a powerful mix. It mm-hmm. is such a powerful mix. I, I, can, I, I can even just see all the women that are on my team that are inc- that it's, they're incredible. I, I love what they go do and they have a blast doing it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so much fun. Women make
0: incredible sellers. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to iambeyondbarrierscom quiz and take the quiz today.
1: So what are, uh, from your own experience, not in terms of company roles and responsibilities and profiles, but what intuition have you developed that helps you identify, um, you know, that winning trait in a potential salesperson? What do you, you look know what?
2: I, I, yeah. The thing that I have found out in interviewing, it's it's we went through this whole process on what traits are we looking for. Okay, if we're looking for these traits, what are the questions that we're asking, et cetera, et cetera. And what I have found, and this is not rocket science, but what I have found is the best predictor of the future is what they've done in the past. Mm. So I what I really dig into is what are their successes in the past. How have they thought differently? How have they gotten through obstacles? How are they? How do they solve problems? Mm-hmm. How are they resourceful? That's what life is about. No matter if you're in sales, but you get to use that uh, so often in sales. But it doesn't matter what job you. Nikki, you've been in so many different roles in your careers, and you know the people that love to solve problems. Yeah, the people that love to solve problems. Those are the people that will find success anywhere, and that's what sales is. What? So, so. When I'm going in, I will, I will dig into either deals or life moments, or, you know, like you and I were talking about, where does our chip on our shoulder come from, et cetera? You just asked me about that. I actually, that's one of my questions is where do you get your chip? What's, what's the chip on your shoulder? Right. And and have them describe that too. But I want the hungry, I want the resourceful, I want the, you know, smart, but you have to have shown it. And again, I'm not, I'm not interviewing for a straight out of college selling right. yeah. in my role specifically but that said that doesn't mean you can't kind of ask those same questions about mm-hmm. what did you do in college that kind of would show you you know a predictor of the future as well
1: yeah yeah i mean the ability to look at obstacles as something to conquer as a, as opposed to something that's blocking your path forward it's really a mindset because um you know I, I remember one of my mentors um told me once that uh when i was facing an obstacle and he said your problems aren't big enough you want to get bigger Wish for bigger problems and then get yeah. better than that. And exactly. it, it's really that. It's just how you look at problems. Um, you know, and,
2: well, and you know what you it's funny, you actually hear on every interview, I, I just I was just listening to the um the Honeywell CEO, Darius. He was just talking about how he was the CEO of an acquired company of Honeywell. You know, and he was just one of like a, a bunch of top managers, and he went to the CEO at the time and said, I want a bigger role. I can do more. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you my biggest problem. And it was some area that was, I think it was, I can't remember what the area was, but it was his biggest problem. If you can go solve that, that's your that's your interview. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, great. And he went and he figured it out and he solved it. That, that's what companies want. People that right. go solve
0: problems. It's, right.
2: Anybody can go walk into a place where there's like, you know, things are just rolling. That's actually when I start to get bored. Like when I'm in a a team and we've set it up and it's like, it's on, you know, firing all cylinders. Then I'm like, okay, what's my next? I want to go fix some more things. It's much more fun to go do that.
1: So speaking of next, um, what Um, are you focused on developing next um, in yourself, you know, as um, how do you stay current? What's a skill that you feel um, you need to develop next? And how do you guide other people in thinking about the future?
2: It's interesting that you say that. So I, so just recently, so I, I, I had like a, um, like a six, um, six, um, six, uh, what do you call it? Um, Sessions. With a uh, life coach kind of guy, his name's Chris Doris. I don't know if you know him, but he's a you know he's kind of a um, he's just he's really good at getting you kind of into the mode. And we've been actually pulling him into Salesforce, into multiple things, et cetera. So I had six sessions with him, and and you know of course one of the things you always do with any executive coach or anybody, but you don't need one to do this, which is write down what you want to go achieve, right? Mm -hmm. And the good ones, they get you into this mode of just like top-line thinking, like open-minded thinking, like motivated, inspired thinking, and... They, they, they. Then, they, they. Then, when you're kind of at the peak of that openness, that that's when they get you to write down what are your goals, what do you want to achieve, yeah. and everybody should do that. Whether it's a cup of coffee, <laughs> or it's after a nice like hike in the woods for three hours, and you're kind of in that nice space, and then you want to really go think, but think about who you want to be, and hopefully you're like uh I was talking about Tony Robbins, and life is about. Does that? I remember, but Tony Robbins always says that he deals with the the the, the people. That he helps with the most of the ones that have already achieved their pinnacle and are looking for their next one. Next. and haven't, haven't ever really thought next to it. And the, the net net of that is life is the journey; it is not the station. Striving, solving problems, getting to a place is life, not the actual getting to a place. Right. So, coming back to your question, um, what am I? What am I thinking next? What am I trying to add to my skill set? I kind of looked around at my current company and we've got an incredible lineup of, 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 leaders and presidents. Right. And I looked at them I'm like, what are they doing? Like, what is it? Cause that's my, my next, it's really two jumps from where I am today, you know, SVP to EVP to president, but what, what what are they doing that I need to go add into my, my, my set? And there's two things that they do a lot of. And one of them is public speaking,
0: mm-hmm. right.
2: Public speaking anywhere. And then the second one is, um, is they're on social media and they're amplifying a message mm. right and they not only do they have their own message but they have you know that that's personal and close that they care about but they also have then have the company message too mm-hmm. right which whatever the role that they're doing and so during my chris doris things i wrote down that i want to be president in three years right and so it was amazing once i wrote that down this is why i say write it down because once i wrote that down i was like. <laughs> now I got to do it <laughs> because I wrote to down. And now what does it mean to go be that? And and so two of the things that I know that I want to continue to work on is to be an ambassador, right? Mm. For my company, for women, et cetera. And that actually is what, and then the TED Talk opportunity came up for me right after that. Wow. So it was interesting because I may have normally said, oh, that's a lot of work to do a TEDx talk. And it was But it aligned with
1: where you wanted to go.
2: But once you kind of know what you want your mission to be, this lined up perfectly because it was a message. Also, it's like, who are who am I? And who What do I have to offer in terms of my learnings? Mm-hmm. And the TEDx talk encapsulates some of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was that, and there was the public speaking, and then I was getting on social media more, which mm-hmm. I posted. That was my first post on LinkedIn, actually, was my TEDx talk. Yeah. And I had like 40,000 views within two weeks wow. of that. And I was like wow, okay, this is a powerful medium that you can go use when you use it in the right way. So for me, that's kind of perfectly answers your question. Where do I want to go next? Mm -hmm. And by the way, I always say like, I could retire at Salesforce or I could go, you know, run a a company or Mm -hmm. something, you know, along those lines as well. So I try to keep my mind open to all of those things, but I love where I am right now.
1: But that I, I, clarity about the future really helps you determine what's the next level competency or the next, next level competency and how do you start getting there? Because if you're not aware of what that future looks like, you're not investing your time and energy and even developing that. So, um, And what you discovered, the need for a powerful personal brand uh, gives you that you know, uh, influence and the ability to create even bigger impact, which is really what that future role looks like. So that's incredible. So, um, with um, that said, um, you know if uh, if you had a billboard and you could put a message out to all you know the people listening to this, what would it say?
2: I would say, women, we (laughs) need to stay in the game. We need to have a voice. We are incredible leaders. And we need to go be there to go help the next women see what is possible. And we just need to keep staying and believing that we belong because we do belong. That is the message that I want people to know. And I feel like that is going to, that it's already starting to create a flywheel. You already see it. We still need to go up and get to the C-level. We need to believe that we can go run companies. We can go take on bigger and bigger things. But everyone all the way up needs to go continue to go push up. And it only makes the world a better place because what happens is men start to take the other half of responsibilities of all of the things that and we start Mm -hmm. to balance out everything in life.
1: That is a powerful message and something that, you know, is Beyond Barriers' mission because we always say it's be the change and then pay it forward and develop the next generation. And, um, you know, it's exactly what you are doing. You're paying it forward in in real terms. And, uh, you know, um, so why do you believe that it's so important for that to happen for women in the workplace, especially in this point in time, you know, in the context of, the digital age and the context of all the change that's happening all around us,
2: well, I mean, it's when you have a seat at the ta- it's, a, it's a seat at the table, when you are in the game, when you are affecting change, yeah you know, it's that's that's you have so much more confidence. And when you're confident, and you're happy with who you are, then you're able to go spread that on to other people, whether it's your children or your friends or your husband or wife or you know or or whoever you're working with. Confidence breeds breeds better things, and if half if half of us aren't or feel less confident or less important in the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's not over overstepping saying that um, that's not hyperbolic to say that coming back to where I started from, right. If you feel like mm-hmm. you're less than you're not going to go give your best. Everyone should feel like they can go give their best, right. Men and women, right. Mm-hmm. In both. And more confident, you know, there's, I I, I was part of this Ted talk. I did, his, uh, I saw a stat. If women, if women, um, if, if, if we take certain steps by the age by the year 2030 and we stay in the game and we continue to work we will add to our gdp by 12 trillion dollars yeah we will add 12 trillion of gdp just by staying in. there's actually 28 trillion out there if we actually 50-50 workforce women men women i don't know that we will always i mean maybe we'll get there on knock on wood but like Just because we bear children, there's always that little something, Mm -hmm. something. But like let's just say 40% of us get there, 12 trillion of GDP.
1: And so So this isn't just a nice to have or check the box, it's real economic opportunity and impact.
2: Yes, yes. And you know, you look at what all the stats of more women in the boardroom actually allows companies to perform better. I have seen that firsthand at Salesforce. And I've seen it because Mark forced. 30% women in every executive meeting, every management meeting. And because that has started to happen, what you start to see is a balance of ideas and the approach to those ideas. And and so you do well and you do good at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of a a little bit of what that balance is all about. And everybody goes home happier. It's you play nice, but win. It's that too. Right. Yes. You know, we do. You, you can do both. It's not win at all costs, and it's you know, it's and it's not just be nice. You got to you got to do the balance of both. And so, you know, and then I will just add one more thing too, which is if women need to be there so that other women, other women can see what those role models look like, but also pick women up. I don't give the example again. I gave it in my TED talk, but I loved it because it, it was so true. When I went for my first promotion and i was asking this president to approve my offer and she said wait don't you have five kids and i was like yeah i do and she's like well if you have five kids you can do this <laughs> and, and i'm like i was not expecting that at all right because in general most people think oh when you're a mother you're distracted you 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 aren't fully here you're not But but it takes a woman to realize how hard it is to be a mom and actually how much better we are because Mm -hmm. we've been a mother, right? And so that's the kind of thing where you just need that balance,
1: right? That is such an inspiring message. And I especially love the, you know, that you can be nice and win, um, you know, which is absolutely because it's natural for us to be nice, but you can focus on winning and not opting out before you need to. So, um, Jen, thank you so much for sharing your story and all of the inspiring and actionable advice. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm excited for all of our audience to tune in and to learn from you. And uh, we're going to be rooting for you to get to president in less than three years. So. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Nikki. I may need your
2: help. (laughs) Nikki, thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you're doing to get your 1 million women uh, into powerful leadership. leadership. Thank you
1: for being our client and such a huge supporter. Couldn't be more grateful. Yes,
0: cheers. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.